Fast forward a couple of years, I'm really deep into the work, right? I'm going to group therapy, men's group therapy, AA, NA. I'm reading all the books. I'm going to all the seminars. I'm stepping into personal growth, right? Tony Robbins, Mel Robbins, you know, the list goes on and on in those folks. And, and really stepping in and choosing to be the hero of my own story. Now that didn't come without a lot of effort and a lot of pain and a lot of even like part of me feels like healing trauma is more suffering than actually experiencing trauma. But so much of that journey was, can I just love myself? Can I do the hardest thing that any human being will do and just be okay with the reflection in the mirror? And, and I didn't used to be, but I led myself down that path. I looked at it and I said, you're doing this. No one else is making you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day or cheat on your girlfriend or eat chocolate cake for breakfast. They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Welcome everyone to our Power to Grow podcast today. We have a special guest. His name is Michael Anthony, and I'm going to share a little bit about Michael and his unbelievable story. As I read this, you guys are probably going to be like, no way, but that's how I was when I read it. It was a very crazy story. So Michael, he was born to a hyperactive drug addicted mother who cut his fingers off at age four years old. I gasped at that when I read it. I really did. He had a stepfather, you pray you never have, a racist grandmother who pushed him into an identity crisis. By the time he was nine, his family was in poverty and often homeless, all while being members of, of a church. At 12, he was adopted by his grandmother and quickly turned to drugs and alcohol to survive the continuing abuse. Despite the multiple learning disabilities and not graduating from high school on time, Michael found success in corporate America in his early 20s. However, success only made things worse. Michael found himself morbidly obese, high and drank daily and multiple self-sabotaging everything around him. It was not until finding his inner power through his mere moments, choosing to do whatever it took to work through childhood trauma that his life really began. Michael Anthony is an author of the best-selling book, Think Unbroken, and is a coach, mentor, and educator for adult survivors of child abuse. Michael spends his time helping others surviving, getting out of the 
vortex to become, it's interesting you use vortex in a negative context because I actually think of it as positive, but uh, it, you're right, it's this cycle to become a hero in his own story and take his life back. Michael hosts the Michael Unbroken podcast, teaches at Think Unbroken Academy and is on a mission to create change in the world. So Michael, thank you so much for being here today and being willing to share this story that really is touching to hear, to think of a four-year-old. I have grandbabies that are three and, you know, going on towards four. And I just think, oh, such a impressionable age. So how did you get through all of that trauma that you went through? First of all, let's talk about that young age. And um, your mom was obviously not in a very good state. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, you know, that that story often gets people a little frazzled. And I, you know, even myself, I, I think about it, and I hear it back. And, and, and it's always kind of like, this is, this is slightly unbelievable. And then I recognize that it, it's not because unfortunately, that is the world we live in. And, and humans, as good as we are, there are some bad ones in there too. And I think that's just the scope of reality. And so, you know, being that young and experiencing trauma like that is, is, is profound in a way that is confusing and conflicting and complicated because on one hand you look at these abusive situations you go well that's my mom or my dad or my stepdad or my grandma or my uncle or whomever I guess that's just how this works right and then once you start to get opened up to the world a little bit more which was my experience in being homeless and living with a lot of different families um, was that that's actually not always true and, and in that, you know, to, to get through trauma, I mean, that, that's a very long story, but to be in that moment of recognizing this doesn't make sense in comparison of my home life, that is, in comparison to what happens when I'm in the world, um, was really profound for me at a very young age because it made me understand that the, just because someone was an adult or older than you, that they weren't always right. Mm, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that you were able to figure that out at such a young age, but I guess you kind of had to, sounds like. Yeah, well, you, you know, you did have, I did have to, and, and I think a lot of trauma, I know, excuse me, a lot of trauma survivors do because ultimately that ability to read people and to understand situations and scenarios and be able to make meaning of environments almost immediately can be the, the difference between the threshold of life and death. And so often we're, we're faced with, with, look, I mean, here's the reality. Your, your brain is a survival mechanism built entirely around keeping you alive. And the mechanisms for survival adapt and change as you move environments. And for me, like the one thing that I definitely had as an advantage was being able to read people really well. Now, unfortunately, that came from a lot of really dark experiences, 
but that also became my saving grace, especially like when I was a teen and I was selling drugs and stealing cars and doing illegal things to survive. And then in my, my twenties as a business owner, and then now being able to like recognize whether or not I can actually help clients. Right. And so being able to, and that's, that doesn't always hold true. That's a generalization, but looking at the world through the scope of survivor really quote unquote is, is much different than I think most people experience because for those of us who have had to find a way to make it through, like the number one thing that we were always doing is surviving. And then you're growing up in a cortisol state, your hippocampus is completely out of line. You go and you're faced with this reality of the real world. And especially once you get out of those environments and it leads you to, what do I do now? And, and looking back on those moments, I didn't like, I didn't know better. I, the only thing I knew is I felt like something was wrong. Wow. I, I totally can relate with that. I also was abused as a kid and, and you do have this hypersensitivity about people, don't you? And I'm also a coach, so I can read people really well. And I, I truly understand what you're talking about. It's like these, you know, situations that happened to us terrible as they were, but they did intensify some of those other abilities that we have to be able to understand people and maybe read them, like you said, on a deeper level. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. So you said that um, you had a, a stepdad. I want to just talk a little bit more about your story. First of all, your mom was a, a drug addicted. Did she actually cut your fingers off for just, I mean, yeah, so it, it's it's partially cut off. So okay. I, I had to have multiple skin grafts, a bone graft, and you know, for for years I was in this little cast on my little hand. Um, wow. You know, my here's the here's the thing that I understand now as an adult is my mother is a victim of the same trauma that I am, and that her mother was, and that her mother before her was, wow. and her siblings and generations of this, right? And, and not only on my mother's side, but on, on my stepfather's side. And, and looking at understanding generational trauma has been within really the nomenclature of humanity since its in, inception and its existence is I can sit with it and I go, I understand it. That doesn't make me okay with it. It doesn't mean I'm not angry and upset still because I am. And I assure you, I have a huge chip on my shoulder that is the driving factor and the reason why I do what I do. And, and that may never go away because I'm looking at how do we break the cycle? If generational trauma is the problem, then how do we interrupt that? And, and so I look at that and I go, okay, my mother was beaten. My mother was sexually molested. My mother was all of these things, right? Of course, drugs and alcohol become the easy out. Addiction is a scapegoat for dealing with hurt. Like yeah. that's the reality of it. And, and the problem with that is then that kind of befalls those after you. And, and my stepfather was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, there's no other way for me to put this other than that his mother was the worst person I've ever met in my life the way that she treated human beings was so disgusting. Even as a child, I looked at it and I was just, it would make me crawl outside of my skin. I'm not even going to share any of that because it's too much and I, I don't like to and your audience doesn't need to be caught off guard by it. But I look at that and I go, that explains his behavior. 
right? And so now you have these two people, my mother, my stepfather, and then you enter my father who abandoned me as a child. And I go, okay, this is all very rational that they would do these things based on my understanding that these things happen to them, right? It's, it's behavioral. And because they were taught these things, they had no other options, right? Now, I will disagree with myself and call myself a, a little bit of a hypocrite in that because I do believe that you have to take responsibility for everything you do in your life. And I don't hold myself culpable for any of the things that they did. And the problem is that they didn't either. And so now you have these people who were just okay with abusing children, like it was just the status quo. And then you also factor in this, the environment of society and growing up in the 80s and looking at it being okay to beat the crap out of your child. But if you hit a dog, people would like turn their nose up at you. And we still kind of live in that society. And so I'm driven to how do we course correct that as well. And, and by the time that I was, I was nine, we were, we were homeless so much that um, for the next two years until I was like 10 and a half, 11 years old, I was just living with strangers constantly. And my grandmother adopted me, which you think on one hand would be amazing. And, and partly it was it saved me from a lot of the violence I was experiencing, but um, I'm biracial, I'm black and white. And my grandmother is a super old racist white lady from a town in Tennessee you've never heard of. And so now I have this identity crisis and you know, addiction being that thing that soothes pain. I started getting high when I was 12 years old, every day, all day long, because it was the only escape from reality that didn't feel painful. Now, fast forward 20 something years, that's a big problem, right? In the, in the interim of that moment of being 12 to finding my way towards the end of high school, you know, I went to one of the worst high schools in America. It was called a dropout factory by, by Harris Poles. And less than 30% of the kids I started high school with graduated. That's because wow. we were getting arrested. We were, my three best friends got murdered. Like we were, we were dropping out to get jobs. I got expelled as a sophomore. And the only reason I even graduated high school because I got into a last chance program. And, and by the time that I'd ended high school, I was thinking about like, what is this solution for poverty? Like it had to be money because we were so poor. I would literally have to steal water from the house next door during the summer because our water would get cut off to non-payment. Now imagine you live in America where that happens. That's my life growing up, right? And, and that's very indicative of the community that I grew up with. We just happen to be the most poor of the poor. And so I'm thinking about money and chasing this idea. And, and I, I thought to myself, okay, my friends are getting murdered. My friends are going to prison. My family, I have family members in prison for life. How do I do this and not ruin my life? And it was like, oh, corporate America. Of course, there has to be a way. <laughs> so I stepped into that. And by the time that I was 20, I landed a job with a fortune 50 company. And by the time that I was 21, I was making six figures, which is pretty much unheard of for a kid from where I came from. And that just exacerbated the problem, more drugs, more alcohol, more food, more clothes, more cars, more everything. And I, I found myself at 25, waking up in the morning, staying in bed till 11, weighing 350 pounds, eating chocolate cake and watching the CrossFit games. And you're like, if that's not rock bottom, like, I don't know what is. And, and having this moment of recognizing, like, you have to do something about your life and, and putting myself in this position where I looked at it, where from an unbiased and yet 
very relentless perspective. I said, you're going to do whatever it takes. Stop making excuses. And that started this journey of, of, of getting serious about it. Cause I'd been going to therapy since I was seven years old, but I got serious about it because I recognized that my life, like I was probably going to be dead in a couple of years. If I stayed that path, fast forward a couple of years, I'm really deep into the work, right? I'm going to group therapy, men's group therapy, AA, NA. I'm reading all the books. I'm going to all the seminars. I'm stepping into personal growth, right? Tony Robbins, Mel Robbins, you know, the list goes on and on in those folks and, and really stepping in and choosing to be the hero of my own story. Now that didn't come without a lot of effort and a lot of pain and a lot of even like part of me feels like healing trauma is more suffering than actually experiencing trauma. But so much of that journey was, can I just love myself? Can I do the hardest thing that any human being will do and just be okay with the reflection in the mirror? And, and I didn't used to be, but I led myself down that path. I looked at it and I said, you're doing this. No one else is making you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day or cheat on your girlfriend or eat chocolate cake for breakfast. You're doing this, hold yourself responsible. And, and that turned into this mission and this journey of just me being healthy. And five years ago, I just started sharing that, right, openly, which was, was a little bit scary at the time. I think mental health has definitely changed in the scope of, of the way we exist right now. It's not where it needs to be, but it's changing. And, and I had this old blog. I would just post what I learned. And I would be the only civilian in rooms full of PhDs and doctorates learning about the human brain and body and the implications of trauma. And I just go, okay, can I dumb this down enough so I can understand it? And then just put it into the world. Yeah. And slowly that transformed and it turned into Think Unbroken. And it turned into five years later, sitting here having this conversation with you. Wow. That's a, that's just amazing. And I, I love when you said you, you went, I love psychology too. It fascinates me how the brain works, but I love how you took that information that you learned and actually put it into a simpler version so that anyone could understand it. That is so brilliant. And it's, um, think unbroken, right? Is the name of your book. Yeah. And the, and the brand, because I was, you know, I was laying in bed one night about three and a half years ago. And I just remembered all these moments in my life where people would call me broken, right? If you, if you have any kind of mental health element, people will label you as broken. If you don't fit in status quo, you're broken. If you're this or that, you're broke. And I was just like, nah, that's not me. That doesn't make sense. That's not how I think. And then I was like, ah, got it. And that, and it's more than just this, like, tagline or this brand concept or what I do through it's like a lifestyle you have to make a decision to like be willing to show up for yourself despite what the world thinks about you so very true so wow what a message that you have so you took that information you build this book you build this brand and your brand is actually helping other people that are going through trauma and abuse is that right yeah, here's what happened. So that blog, the old blog I was talking about, I'd put stuff on there and people would message me and they'd be like, I relate to this. My father did this or my grandma did that or I had this experience. And then it turned into that thing that you shared just 
probably kept me from killing myself. And then it turned into, you're saving my life. And then it turned into, hey, I want to hire you to help me. Wow. And, and, and looking at that as uh, my intention was never any of this. I, I didn't sit down and think to myself, I'm going to be a coach and an international speaker and host a, 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 a class around the world, which I've done multiple times. It was just, I'm just going to take this and put it there. And maybe my little brothers will read it. That's how this all started. And then looking at it now where, you know, it, it's about what I decided to do when I stepped into this in this capacity is I looked at it and I said, what was really missing while I was on the, the beginning and in the crux of that journey? And it was so much of the way that I've built my coaching practice, how I built my five-day workshop, how I built the book, how I built the podcast. It's about looking at taking and deciphering all the information and distilling it down into something that is palatable, but also actionable. Because I felt like the thing that was often missing was that moment in which you have an intrinsic reflection of understanding what's true about your life. And, you know, as a coach, you know, what we do is very different than therapists. And I, I require all of my clients to have a therapist. I won't even work with you if you don't have one. Right. And so looking at that as I, I'm measuring, can we reach your goal? Whatever it is that you define as a self-defined narrative through what I understand to be true about the world. And that is though trauma may your, be your foundation, it does not have to be your future. Ah, oh, love that. Maybe your foundation, but not your future. That's perfect. So you, t you take these people and I, I love that you're having them actually go through therapy too, because you realize the intensity of some of this trauma and these, you know, abuse that happens that, that, that therapy actually alongside with coaching actually does make a beautiful transition for them because they're working on some deep work and you're working on kind of transitioning them as well through probably empowerment, I'm sure, and, and some of those kind of things. So if somebody was to go through something of yours, what can they expect to receive? Yeah, well, I, I think having expectations is important. And, and I always try to lay it out like this is there's no time frame that I can give you for this to work. Because if there was, then I, I would just be like, yeah, do it for nine days and life will be better. And I have, I have clients where after 12 weeks, their life is literally different. You know, I, I had a message from a client the other day said, I haven't smoked or drank in six months. Thank you. And I'm like, that's what it's about. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have other clients where we work together longer because this isn't, uh, this isn't linear. And even myself, like I still do the work all the time. I'm still, I have my own coach. I have a therapist. I have my own team because the one thing that I understand about this is, is maybe we've been lied to by society and that one day it's just done and you're happy and blissful and life goes on. It's not that you can't be happy and blissful and have this beautiful life, but you have to still be able to go to those tools. And one of the things that we build is a toolbox. You look, I look at this as stepping into your world. I say, what is it that you want to do? Like, what is it that you really want to do? Not, 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 and, and a lot of people even have a trouble, have a lot of trouble identifying that because all of their information of who they are has come externally. And so if we don't even have that, if you can't sit and identify who you are, well, guess what? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to build you. We are going to create you how you want to be. And look, realistically, the Michael here sitting, talking to you 
is a caricature of the idea of the person that I knew I was capable of being if I got out of my own way, if I did the work, if I did the uncomfortable, if I went down the path to figure out the truth about life. And that's what coaching is, is can we take the idea of understanding of who it is that you want to be and make that come to fruition. And I look at the, the work that I have with my clients and it's the most rewarding thing that I do because it's the thing that drives me. Like I love doing it. And my favorite moment is when a client tells me, you know what, Michael, I'm good. I don't need to do this anymore. I got my tools. I have my goals. I might check in with you in 12 years. But for right now, I'm good. And that, that to me makes me happier than anything else. And so stepping into it, I think there's a couple of things, just so I can be fully clear. One is if you're going to step into coaching, and I don't even necessarily with just me, but with anyone, the first thing that you have to do is expect the reality that you might actually get what you want. That means you might actually get what you want. And that is so hard because we come from this place of recognizing, depending on where your background's from, that you don't deserve things. I don't believe that to be true, but I do believe that you have to earn them and no one's just going to hand you your life. And the other part of it is you have to acknowledge the fact that asking for help, which is essentially what coaching is, Asking for help is one of the most vulnerable and powerful things that you can do as a human being, because I don't know of a single person on planet earth who has ever done anything great alone. And so leveraging that understanding and looking at the world through the scope that it's okay, even though we come from societies that say it's not, is your one up and your superpower as you step into what's going to be effectively a very difficult journey. Hmm. Wow. You are so right. Um, you know, I had a friend that went through some um, addictions and things as well. And when you talk about knowing what you want and who you are, um, I remember her, somebody asked her once, you know, when she got sober is what kind of eggs do you want? And she said, I never chose what kind of eggs I want. I always got whatever the person I was with chose. And so it was like, she had to find who she was through that whole experience. And it sounds like that's kind of the journey that you take people on is just kind of finding out who they are, what they desire, what they want, and being able to create this toolbox that kind of helps them in that process. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's the hardest thing that we do is we, we come to this place where we recognize that our wants, needs, and interests are valid. Right. I mean, when, when your entire experience is you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not handsome enough, pretty enough, tall enough, capable enough, and that's buried in you from not only your parents, but your community, your peers, your teachers, your work environment, everything. Wow. No wonder things are hard for you right now. Exactly. But guess what? I say this all the time, like your front yard, if it is filled with other people's trash, is still your responsibility to clean up. And that's hard and it's unfair. Like it's probably the most unfair thing on planet earth. But if you want to step into your life, you're going to have to acknowledge that you have to pick up other people's garbage sometimes. Now that may be parlayed with picking up a lot of your own garbage, which I assure you it probably right. is. So you have to also get to this place where you're willing to look at your faults, not with shame, not with judgment, but with a measurement of saying that is who I've been to this moment. 
And if it is true, which I believe it is, that we are the sum total of all of our experiences leading up till this moment, then that means all of the things that have ever happened in our entire life depict who we are. Mm-hmm. Now you're at a crossroads. What are you going to do about it? Wow. That, that sounds very powerful. It sounds like something that would definitely make some transition for some people. I think that's great. So, um, Michael, we're at the, towards the end of my show, I usually ask, what was the one thing that made the biggest like shift for you during this time? I mean, you had to work through a lot of things. Was there one specific thing that you did that, and I'm sure there's multiples, but if you had to pick one, what would that be? Something that really was able to help you propel past some of these situations? Yeah, you know, there, there's so many things and so many things come to mind. And, and it's hard to pinpoint just one. But I think overall, it was my mindset. It was just me stepping into choosing to create a life, right? Thinking about it in the aspect and the scope of everything that I know about myself. And, and look, I'll be honest, I didn't have these words 10, 12, 15, 20 years ago, right? It was can I, can I just do something hard to see if I can be better than I was yesterday? And, and that was it. It was just choice based, right? It was a mindset. It was just no matter what. And and look, it's very difficult because I went, even if you just measured it from a weight perspective, I went from 350 pounds to 200 and that took a long time and a tremendous amount of effort and an unbelievable amount of spirit because like there were days, like I did not want to go to the gym. And then it turned into, oh, no, no, this is lifestyle. This is who you are. Accept the reality that it's okay to take care of yourself, right? So always just being in these mindset shifts, like I was always thinking about how I could reframe, reframe, reframe. But if I were, and uh, this is why it's such a hard question. I love it, but it's very difficult to answer poignantly. The other thing is without question, education. And, and that was the baseline and precursor for probably everything. It was just like, what book can I read? What pod, And podcasts were very rare back then, but it was like, what podcast could I listen to? What magazine could I subscribe to? What conference could I go to? What edge of reality was I willing to step to to get a different view? And, and I mean, there's so much that I could have done or said or thought, but, so, but it was really an action. All of that like winds up to be action. I love it. So taking action and being able to make those mindset shifts that you need to make to be able to transition. I love it. So I always like to leave that with someone so that they can have this hope of knowing that, hey, there's this one thing I can start doing today. So thank you for sharing that. And and Michael, um, we I know that you have your program and your book, and we'll make sure that we put some links in for each of those so that our listeners will be able to uh, find your book, find your information and the things that you offer. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with them before we're done today? No, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving me the space and your time and, and the audience. I, I hope that if anything, just know like, there is possibility if you're willing to just have the hope that there's possibility. I agree. I agree. That's a great way to end. So thank you again, Michael. And thank you for joining us on this podcast. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, 
please leave a review now and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you.